This is Soul Starter, the podcast, with your hosts, Jessica and Lexi. We're two mamas on a mission to make entrepreneurship more accessible through soul-driven exploration. If you're ready to start a transformative journey rooted in self-care, intention, and growth, then this is the podcast for you. Join us and our guests each week as we explore the parallels between business, motherhood, and mindful living. Your intuition guided you here. Now let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls. Jessica and Lexi here. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Steph Lopez. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. So Dr. Steph is a former NASA psychologist turned mindset, emotion, and communication coach for powerful women. She's the founder of The Brave Method and uses eye-opening self-discovery tools to guide high-achieving women, particularly those who grew up with a troubled relationship with their mom, and help them get in the driver's seat of their emotions and reactions so that they can feel happier, calmer, and lighter. I mean, what a more perfect guest could there be? Dr. Steph, we're so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so incredibly excited to have you here as well. And I'm just listening to your your intro and I'm like, sign us all up. I feel like that's <laughs> such an amazing thing that you're doing for women and for moms and for, um, you know, females all around. So I'm just excited to dive more into it with you as well. Um, I know you and I know each other a little bit privately, but I feel like I really want everybody and we want everybody to know who you are um, and why, how you got into becoming an entrepreneur and maybe a little bit of your background as well. Okay. So I'll just dive into it. <laughs> Please. That well, tell good. us, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, the NASA yeah. psychologist part, that, that seems like a big nugget of information. And then like yes. choosing to leave yes. to follow your own dreams. I mean, I'm sure that was a hard decision. So maybe take us back to like a little bit of a backstory and then that point at NASA when you were like, this is not aligned for me anymore. Yes. Okay. So I'll start in the middle. I started working at NASA February 2013. And that year I took a workshop that I had heard a wide variety of things about. Like this is the most life-changing experience all the way to it's the crying class to after he went to it, he got divorced. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm walking into, but I'm ready, (laughs) as ready as I can be. So I walk into this white room with chairs in a circle, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what kind of training this is, but here we go, (laughs) because it's at work. And I'm going to tell you, by noon on day one, it was a five-day workshop. I have goosebumps right now. I was like, I have to spread this to as many people as possible. Like, it was, from moment one, the most powerful experience of my life. So I'm going to, like, hop back a little bit. I, going into the workshop, was a perfectionist, was a people pleaser, was, you know, ambitious, control freak, anxious all the time, Uh, had it all together on the outside, but on the inside was, like, oh my gosh, like I do not feel the way that I want to feel. And what that workshop showed me was that nothing was wrong with me and that I was missing key life 
skills. And even though at that point I already had my master's in psychology, this, this five days was more impactful than that. And wow. um, yeah. And your entire career in psychology. <laughs> it really was. So let's see, where should we, so what I did at NASA, just for context, I was basically a leadership coach and an organizational psychologist. So I focused on how do we help everyone at the organization uh, be more productive, happier, get along better, achieve more. And what I found is that almost always the answer fell into three areas, self-acceptance, self-accountability, and self-awareness. And that is the foundation of everything that I do today. So when people are like, how did you go from that to this? It is, it's actually like pretty seamless transition. I'm, I just took the part of my job that I liked, and now that's what I do all the time, you know, rather than all the other tasks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All that foundational knowledge. Yes. I, I think people sometimes do a complete career pivot or like, I'm not really, I'm not a journalist and I studied journalism, you know? Yeah. So like, but I still use a lot of the things that I learned. I, we use all of these experiences from our life and from our education yeah. in maybe just in a different way or in a way that fits you better in the life that you wanted for yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it was in that first half of the day of the workshop. Did you know in that moment that you were like, I got to do something different? Or was it at the end of the, of the little workshop? It was by lunch on day one, literally by noon. So wow. I didn't know what that meant. And I loved working at NASA. I thought that I was going to work there my entire life. So I would always say after that, like, oh, my next career, you know, after I retire, because I just didn't think I was going to leave because it's the number one place to work in the federal government in the U.S. So um, and like who leaves NASA, right? <laughs> Me. That must have felt a little scary to oh be gosh. halfway through a multi-day workshop and and be like, oh, I'm going to make a change. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. did you feel it in your body? How, how did that come about? Gosh, I, yeah. I mean, I think it was my intuition. I just like, I don't know. I just knew. Like I, I knew, like this is what I'm supposed to do. I just had that clarity, but then I didn't actually do anything. That was 2013 and I didn't leave NASA till January, 2021. <laughs> so okay. I sat on That it. was gonna be my next question was, yeah, that was gonna be my next question for you really is like you were in that workshop and that was years and years mm -hmm. before you actually decided to leave. So walk us through that journey of, yeah. you said seven years, right? Before you had that workshop, you had this transformational experience, mm -hmm. you had the clarity that you knew you needed to do something different, but yet you waited seven years to act on that. Walk us through that. Maybe what was going on in your life or yeah. what maybe held you back from jumping in sooner? What was the, the pivotal moment for you next yeah. in deciding, okay, I'm going to go all in on myself and my business? Yeah. So perfectionist, right? Uh, fear of failure, basically. Like that's, if you asked me then, I probably would not have said that. I would have said, well, I don't, I don't, well, no, maybe I would have. My mom um, has always been an entrepreneur and I decided like, I am not doing that. I'm not going through that struggle. So <laughs> never say never. 
<laughs> but um right yeah no I'm totally agreeing and I uh recovering perfectionist yeah. over here so I can feel you yeah like there is a certain point where it is stepping out of ego and stepping out of fear yes and that's where a lot of the transformation happens but it's really really hard to do especially yeah. as somebody who has perfectionism tendencies yes and the fear of failure like that can make taking the leap exponentially harder, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. We don't really realize that maybe these limiting beliefs about ourselves oh are holding gosh. us back or these, you know, emotions that are maybe going on. Maybe the one thing that's holding us back that if we different had a different frame or a different reframe, uh, that we might take that leap sooner. So so fast forward to seven years later yeah. and you decided to make the change. Yeah. What was that transition like for you? Was there a single point at that transition where you were like, you knew you needed to step out? Tell us more about yeah. that. So I had my second baby March 25th, 2020. And that was a few days after the world shut down and everyone was terrified and we were all locked in our house. And so I went from, you know, working outside the home 50, 55 hours, you know, a, a 40 minutes away from where I live, having my daycare, my daughter in daycare the whole time to suddenly, literally like a couple days later, being locked in the house with a newborn, postpartum hormones, a two-year-old, and no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I don't even know how to take care of a two-year-old full time because I don't do that. And now we can't even leave the house. So I hit a low point, like probably one of the lowest points in my life. And I got sick like three weeks in a row the first month postpartum and just was like really, really struggling. And finally, about less than three months into it, I was like, I know how to help myself. Like, because I was almost to the point, like maybe I need medication and nothing against medication, but it's just not something that I really wanted to do. Um, And so it just hit me and I felt in that moment really inspired to like make massive changes. And it was never that I like didn't like working at NASA. This like came as a shock to everyone. Like I was at the top of my career working with executives. It was going amazing. And I'm like, by the way, guys, I'm going to leave. I felt like I was going to puke for a week straight to be completely honest. Yeah, I that's a that's a huge step yeah. in a in a different direction. Your your body was telling you, you know, even the world was like pandemic. It's mm-hmm. it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, how did you know? You know, did you know what your pivot was that you still wanted to do something similar? Did you know you wanted to work with women, or was it kind of like? Yeah. I have no idea, but I just know I need change. Yeah. So that when I, I basic that was like June 2020 when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But what I told myself is my goal was to like replace my NASA income and leave by the time my oldest was five going into kindergarten. And she just turned five last month. So I left earlier than anticipated. I went back on maternity leave and I tried to work a full-time job with two kids and a baby and a side hustle. And I was like, well, there might be some people that can do this, but it's not me. And 
I knew, oh, so I think to answer your question, I, I knew at that point that I wanted to work with mostly moms who were struggling emotionally, whether with anxiety or with yelling or with, you know, feeling like, like asking them this question of like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I feel more in control of my emotions and my reactions? And that passion came from my own childhood and everything that I learned um, in that workshop and beyond. That's really powerful. Yeah. We learn a lot as children from our parents mm -hmm. and they may or may not be the things that we want to be as parents. And, but it's kind of ingrained in our nature, right? It's just how we're raised. And so it's powerful that you were able to see that. Yeah. And, and decide to help other women mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. If we have, you know, I think oftentimes we hear, oh, perfectionism, or we might not even know we're struggling with that. Mm -hmm. So could you give us some idea of like, what, what did you notice in yourself? What do you think that are some of the telltale signs of being a perfectionist and an overachiever, if you will, in a maybe healthy way, but then an unhealthy way? Because I really loved how you also said, I found out I'm all these things, but I also found out that those things aren't bad. I just needed tools and strategies yeah. to support who I am. So I would love to kind of maybe even hear from your experience, but then also how you work with women too. Yeah perfectionism and highlighting that a little bit and some of the the negative tendencies, but also some of the really beautiful positive tendencies that could come from that. Okay. All right. So I'm going to list like some telltale signs, <laughs> all or nothing thinking, maybe black and white thinker, highly critical, being pushed by fear of anything being less than perfect, not thinking it's okay to make mistakes unrealistic standards, focusing really on those results, sometimes procrastination, not all perfectionists deal with procrastination that much, but, but oftentimes fear of failure. I said that one earlier. And ultimately, what is that coming from? A fear of judgment and rejection. So not basically not having the tolerance to put themselves in situations where they will be rejected or judged and know that that's okay. Okay. Question stemming from that. Yeah. Is this something that we are born with or something that is learned? Learned. Learned. So we all have emotions that are positive and negative and many of us from the time that we are very small learn to cut off negative emotions and that comes from a place where our caregivers are often thinking that that is how to regulate yourself and or they are uncomfortable with negative emotions so they cut it off so this could look like you know, hushing them, shushing them, sending them, them to their rooms and saying, come, come back when you are ready to be nice. It could look like they fall, they get hurt, and the parent says, you're fine. And so all of these things, these messaging, they basically result in the individual learning, trust what's coming from the outside more than yourself, 
and cut off your emotions. And so a huge part of the work that I do with people that I learned that I had to do with myself and that's related to perfectionism is expanding your tolerance for all emotions. Because if you revolve your world around avoiding feeling rejected, then who has the power? Everybody else. Mm -hmm. Rejection has the power. You don't have it anymore. So a perfectionist mm -hmm. often identifies as a control freak but they're controlling so that they don't experience things. So they're not in control. They're actually handing over control to everybody else. Wow. That's pretty wild to phrase it that way. So when you are thinking that you are in control, you're actually giving control to others. Or if you're trying to over control a situation, you're giving control to other people. Yes. Yes. Because you're allowing them to decide what happens, but then that also can almost, it makes me feel like it could spin spiral the negative way too, where then you're feeling out of control again. Yes, absolutely. And so the goal is acceptance, radical acceptance of like, no matter what mm -hmm. happens, it's okay. Like in this moment, I don't have to fight this moment. That's not how I was raised. I, and most people that I encounter, maybe I'm biased because of the work that I do, but they're fighting the moment that they're in constantly. And my goodness, does that bring up a lot. And so when we learn, there's a lot of tools to this, but this is one big piece. When you learn that like, I don't have to fight this moment. And when I choose to put my energy towards solutions, life feels a lot easier versus if I'm fighting this moment. I'll give an example. So like this is when it really, really hit me. I was working on really embodying mindful awareness, radical acceptance, like all the, the surrender as a control freak. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to try to do this. And this is the moment that it really, really hit me. I was working at NASA. I got in my car, turned on the car, and I saw that I had 60 miles left to the gallon. And I had to pick up my daughter from daycare, and I lived about 40 miles away. So I was like, okay, well, I'll get gas afterwards so we know where this is going. <laughs> right? So I pick her up. I jump on the interstate, and then at some point on the way home, I push down the gas pedal and nothing happens. And I realized like, okay, I totally ran out of gas. So the old me would have made the phone call for help, but then I would have beat myself up because when you are a perfectionist, making mistakes is not okay. And if you make mistakes, what are you supposed to do? beat yourself up. So I would have thought things like, you saw your gas tank, now you, my daughter was like one or a little less than one, you put her, her in a bad situation, now you're on the side of the road, you're wasting time, you're not going to be able to get, you know, like all of these, you're not going to be able to get dinner made, da, 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 beat ourselves up, right? What I did this time with this, like embodying these new skills, I made the phone call, I got out of the car, opened her car door, unbuckled her seatbelt, went to the other side of the car, and we played. That is acceptance. That is not fighting the moment that you're in. And that is what all of us can learn to do in every single moment, every single day. And my goodness, does it make life feel a lot easier. I feel like you've just unlocked the key for a lot of people listening right now is like, that's such a beautiful, like, 
transformation that you can make in that moment, although probably not easy and takes time and repetition and practice, but being okay in the discomfort and accepting the discomfort that comes with it reminds me a little bit about our podcast start here um, with our (laughs) tech issues. Like as we are navigating this journey for the first time, constantly reminding ourselves that we're not going to be perfect at this because we are learning in the moment and learning on the fly. And that's something that I've had to remind myself of frequently. But also I love the example that you gave with your daughter of like, now it's not only ourselves, but we're involving other people. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think as moms, if we can pivot to motherhood even, but even as moms, we carry even more weight and more of a load and heavier guilt, if you will, if we do quote unquote, make a mistake that affects now our children. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I, I think like, perfectionist tendencies don't come up as much individually, but if it's with my children, then they scream really loud. Mm. And that's something that I definitely have to work through as well. Um, And I'm learning to. So I really like that tangible example that you gave us when something like that arises in a moment with children. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. I'm glad that resonated. (laughs) So as somebody who has probably more perfectionism tendencies than you, Jess, I think, because you're like, you've got this free spirit and you brought up that you have a little bit of it. Um, I do feel like perfectionism comes a lot from, you know, some of the things you mentioned, like go to your room, not being allowed to express emotions. I'm trying to be perfect in every moment Mm -hmm. as a child. And so it sounds like you help with some of that healing. Yes. But you brought something else up that was... I haven't heard it that way, and it actually hit me hard, is that the parent might not actually be able to accept the emotions. It's something that the parent is dealing with. So not even that they just want you to go to your room because you're not perfect and they don't love you, but it's actually just that they don't, themselves yes. don't know how to process the child's emotions. Yeah. So maybe as like a parent who is struggling or might be struggling with toddler tantrums or things because of this like perfectionism but also this vulnerability that they're uncomfortable with like what could what can you do in that scenario yeah how do you learn through that and grow through that yeah so just like I mentioned but maybe like in a slightly different way we can tell if if you look at somebody you can tell how comfortable they are with their own emotions by how they interact and show up when you express negative emotions so you might have somebody where you express that you're having a bad day or um, that you're, you haven't been doing well lately and they try to make you feel better or try to look for the silver lining or try to look on the bright side it's you know, not hard and fast, but that is a very good indication that they are not comfortable with their own negative emotions, which means that they cannot create the space for you to express it. And that is important in so many areas of our lives. But since you mentioned it in motherhood, we if we want to be able to do that for our children, we have to expand our tolerance. And I mean, this is gonna sound like, okay, it can't be that simple, Steph, and there are lots of tools behind it, but really it is putting yourself in the situation to feel the thing that you don't wanna feel and proving to yourself that not only can you cope with it, but that you're not gonna die. 
Like everything's going to be okay. And so when, when we do this like little bit, little bit, little bit over time, you are sending a message to yourself that you can handle it. You're building your self-efficacy is what it's called, your belief in yourself. And sometimes depending on people's upbringing, they may need to regulate their nervous system and there's all kinds of ways to do that. So I've got, you know, lots of tools to help, but ultimately what it comes down to is like, do the thing that you're avoiding, feel the thing you're avoiding. Yeah. And oftentimes with a negative emotion or sometimes, you know, putting yourself in that situation where somebody brings up something negative, oftentimes I think if we grew up in that environment or we don't know any better, and those are the tools that we have in the moment, it's easy to project to say, oh, well, everything will be fine. Or at least you have a job, like, or at least you like, if someone's complaining about, you know, a hard day at work and somebody says, well, at least you have a job. It's like, well, that is not really helpful. Um, but that can also drive a perfectionism even to say, yeah, like now I'm beating myself up because I should just be grateful that I have this job and Mm -hmm. I'm not able to express my emotions because you're not able to receive them. And we then probably the cycle will continue to say, oh, well, this is my fault. I shouldn't have even brought up this topic um, to learn that it's a safe space Mm -hmm. to be able to release those, those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions. Um, I can absolutely see all of that. Yeah, and maybe it's not okay to express it, and then people pretend. They pretend about a lot of things, that they're fine, that they're not thinking things, that they're not feeling things, because isn't that what everybody wants them to do? That's the message that many people receive, and then they crave connection, and they feel alone in their struggles. And we've got to find people that are comfortable with emotions, with their own emotions to surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my goals is to, you know, have a community where women can show up like that and feel support that maybe they've never felt before. Yes. I love that. I am thinking as Jess is talking and you're sharing about how even just like a handful of weeks ago, and my husband's going to be listening. He's, he knows what we got into when I'm like, I'm going to have a podcast. (laughs) But we, we were in a discussion, and I think I was having a hard time. I can't even remember exactly what it was about. Um, and he was cheering me up and or trying to find a solution. And I was like, you know what, babe, all I need you to do is just say, like, I'm really sorry you're going through that. I'm sure that's really hard for you, and I'm here for you. And I'm going to flip it because I am the ultimate optimist and I try to turn everything into a positive situation and positive mindset. It happened for a reason. Um, But sometimes what he probably needs, what I know he needs is like a hug and hey, I I realized you are having a hard time Mm -hmm. and I'm here to like allow you to express that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I recognize these scenarios in my own life, but hearing somebody else say it, it really just like resonates so much deeper. Mm. Yeah. I'm so happy it does. And these are, these are strategies and, you know, insights that you've brought to women probably all over the world now, since you've left, left NASA as a psychologist and decided to start your own, is it a program? Is it a group program? You said community. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you really want to develop a community for other females that are maybe going through these um, perfectionist tendencies as well. Yeah. I have a virtual program 
and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We also have retreats and like two-day retreats and four-day retreats. And that's where I've really been able to make progress with the community because even though it's only a few women at a time, it is so impactful in a situation where most have never experienced anything like it before. And then they walk away with so many benefits, including knowing, like really knowing, like, oh my goodness, I am not alone. And I've just found that so many women, including the old me, felt alone in these struggles. I think it'd be safe to say, Dr. Steph, that someone might be at lunchtime in the first day of your retreat and having an eye-opening experience. Like what a beautiful way to kind of come full circle from where mm. you were at. And now you are sharing that. I love that. It's so beautiful. Thank you. It's really, really rewarding. I got a little teary-eyed. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, we need more. We need women to support and lift other women. And you said only four people in a retreat. But how special to have four people that you build a really yeah. intense connection with. Yeah. Oh, I said a few, they, a few. They're going to go into their own communities. What was that? Oh, I said a few. Yeah. So like 10. Oh, well, that's not four, yeah. but you still said only. <laughs> but I, I still like it's the same message yeah, is, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like the huge conference room where you're right. speaking to thousands of people, but you are impacting them on such a like deep level. And then they will take that into their communities. And I think that's really really amazing. Thank you. So um, is this where the BRAVE method comes in? I know that you you have something called the BRAVE method and it's it's an all caps yeah. acronym. Is, is it an acronym? It's an something? acronym. I'm, I'm yeah. just assuming. Yeah. Right. So it just, it's the, the foundation of everything that I do is BRAVE branded, but BRAVE um, principles are used in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, my virtual programs, my retreats. What is the acronym? Well, <laughs> I could go into all the words that it stands for, but it probably won't like, you know, mean too much to people. But essentially what it comes down to is changing your relationship with your emotions, radical acceptance, reducing defensiveness, which most people have no idea what that truly, truly is. Like every single human is defensive every single day. And it comes back to your relationship with your emotions and what you're avoiding feeling, avoiding feeling insecurities and things. So, um, and then the last piece of it is really self-acceptance and self-compassion so that we can bring more of that to the world. Oh, I love that so much. I feel like you brought up uh, the defensiveness and sometimes I naturally end up being that way and I don't even really realize it, you know, because the self-awareness comes later when you replay the conversation sure. in your head. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes, um, at least for me, I found that when I replay a conversation, I'm like, wow, I actually felt like maybe I was acting defensive because I was trying to project because I wasn't willing to accept that internal emotion or that emotion that was maybe coming up in me that I didn't want to feel in that moment. So I pushed it down and I acted defensive. Yeah. Um, what's a strategy that I could take or maybe anyone else listening that could take like in that moment where we're starting to feel that uncomfortable emotion kind of come up in a conversation 
whether it's with a loved one or maybe it's with a, a, a challenging relationship that comes up that you know these things are going to come up in and you're going to feel mm-hmm. um, you're you're going to have to repress emotions. What are some things that uh, strategies that I or others could take in that situation? Yeah. You think? Okay, so first, since we are talking to perfectionists here, the goal is not to completely remove defensiveness. The goal is to reduce how often it happens and to recover more quickly. So I just got defensive with somebody on Friday, you know, <laughs> it, it, we're, we are human and naturally we have a lot of that come up. So what I have is I have a survey for women to use and it's signs of defensiveness to basically show you in writing, what does defensiveness look like behaviorally so that I can catch myself really quickly? Because the more that you're able to catch yourself quickly, when you have other skills like building this self-accountability piece where you believe that you can choose to show up differently then you're able to take make a different choice because a lot of us we are using kind of similar versions of what we were using as children it's probably more mature than when we were a child but our brain is like on autopilot so the work that we do together is like how do we start building that side road that new neural pathway to be able to choose differently and recover more quickly and circling back as soon as you realizing it and like owning up to it is a really big deal I've interacted with many individuals that don't do that circle back, that kind of brush it under the rug, and that's not helpful, and that doesn't teach your brain to do differently next time, but that contributes to you being able to choose differently next time is you basically showing yourself, like, I'm going to set aside the ego, I'm going to circle back, I'm going to take ownership for this. Yeah, that's really powerful, and this, as you say, was a quiz that you have or a worksheet that somebody could take? Is this something that they can get from you? Is this something that they get when they get access inside the Brave Method? Yeah, inside um, program the program. With you? Or I'm like looking at like, I want this tool. How do I get this tool? <laughs> You're like, can I have it? <laughs> I, I mean, I can share it with you for sure. It's not as useful without the full context of the program, but Um, because what happens and and this is okay, but I can share it with you and then you'll be like, okay, but now what? So, and that's what I teach you is how do we use it to reduce defensiveness? I want to touch on the fact that it is a practice. Yes. So it's like the first step is actually maybe recognizing it. Um, and then maybe like after you've recognized it, the second step that some people, it sounds like, do not do is coming back to the person perhaps they were defensive with and saying, yeah. I'm sorry. And then on another level, it's like, actually, this is why I reacted that way. Yes. And then there's even healing deeper within that. Yes. And then eventually like shortening it down so that you're not reacting and coming back like 24 hours later, yeah. two hours later, but it's more like in the moment you have the strategy to yeah. just like you in your car when right. you run out of gas, like you put in the practice and you have the the mindset now yeah. where your reaction is different, but I'm sure it took time to get to that point. Yeah. And, and the thing is, yeah. is that it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Sometimes, well, actually many of my clients, they went to therapy for years and this is what they tell me. Like, I, I'm going to tell you the most recent one. I went to therapy for 10 years and I made more progress in your four day retreat. So 
because of the framework and the exact tools that you need outlined and handed and taught to you, it can be so different than if like, if you're just showing up at therapy and you're talking for most of the time and working through individual issues, I personally have found having the framework to lean back on, it expedites the process so, so much, which who doesn't want <laughs> to save time and money, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, inner work is challenging. So, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to recognize these tendencies in yourself. Maybe you, maybe you're not recognizing them yet, or you're at the point where you are recognizing them and you're questioning like, what is wrong with me? Why do I act this way? Um, yeah, that's the phases of healing really. Yeah. I think that, it, you know, first self-awareness and then once you become self-aware, what do you do with that information? Yeah. Uh, you might not have the tools yet to know what to do with it, but I think what you touched on, which sounds like it really speeds up the process is this clear blue blueprint yeah. that people can follow, um, which is nice because oftentimes people are sort of stuck with like, maybe I notice these things in myself, but I just don't really know what to do. I don't know how to take the next step. So having someone like you, um, you know, who ha has a background in psychology and also has a background in understanding how to work with people that are the, you know, high achievers and perfectionism, that you've created this, this blueprint, if you will, to give them the tools that they need in those moments to make it happen quicker. Yes, yes. And one thing that I want to add, I, because I love that you brought up self-awareness, and I think where people miss this a little bit is it's not just awareness of how you're showing up or your behaviors or your reactions. The key is self-awareness about the insecurities. What's underneath? Mm. So that's more of that root cause. And that's a big part mm -hmm. of the work that we do together is understanding that. Because once you know those, then you know more like, okay, what, what exactly do I need to do to overcome this? Versus a lot of confusion when I have self-awareness around, okay, I'm losing it on people or I'm feeling anxious, then what do we do with that? So it's less of a behavioral approach and more of a root cause approach, which I'm sure in your field, you can relate to that completely. It's coming back to why am I this way? Yes. Or like what happened to me in my life that conditioned me to react like this. Yes. And once you have that awareness, speaking from experience, once I had the awareness of why I was reacting a certain way, it actually made so much sense and it was really freeing yeah. because then I was able to say, that doesn't have to be who I am or what my future is. I can decide for myself, I you know, love and that. yeah, I, I love it. So Jess brought up the high achievers piece, which I do want to touch on. So you work with high achievers and women, mm -hmm. like a lot of business owners or people in high level positions, people that are mothers, like tell us a little bit more about that high achiever piece and how you work specifically to them. Yes. So my like favorite clients, they are so smart and ambitious and they're all over the place. I have some who are executives. I have some who are business owners, um, entrepreneurs, and I have some who are stay at home moms, but they still identify with the struggles and they still identify with even though I'm a stay-at-home mom right now I am an ambitious woman and I want to shift generational cycles and breaks negative patterns so a little bit of 
everybody. That's amazing because yeah. I think you described our audience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, I mean, I think like, oftentimes like, you know, though you were like, and even stay at home mothers. And I think sometimes yeah. people are like, how could they be high achievers? But we forget that they hold a whole life before they, they became did. a mom and had children. And maybe mm-hmm. they were in a high executive role or maybe they had these ambitious goals and then they became a mom. And, and so it doesn't do. And they still do. Exactly. And there's, you know, and they're right now they're putting their energy into being a high achieving mother, yes. mm-hmm. which is a lot of pressure. It is. That is the hardest job. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can all speak to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, cool. It was so nice having you on the podcast, Dr. Steph. I so appreciate all of the insight that you gave us. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell listeners that you don't feel like we've touched on yet around this topic of high achieving perfectionism strategies that we can implement in the moment? Is there anything else that you feel like we're missing or that you feel like would be really helpful? This might just be like a one phrase summary, but everything that you want is truly on the opposite side of what you're avoiding. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. Yeah. Repeat it. I sound like, I love the repeating lines yeah. because it's really like, I actually, I just want to hear it again so I can process it. Yeah. We'll just say that. Everything that you want is on the opposite side of what you're avoiding. It's on the opposite side of what you are avoiding. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Wonderful. Well, how do people find you? What is the best social platforms um, so that they can connect with you deeper and get to know you deeper as well? The best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Stephanie Lopez, Dr. Stephanie Lopez. That's where I am most of the time. I have a TikTok account, but I'm not actively posting. (laughs) So not the best place. So find me on Instagram. Okay. I'll be sure to put all of that into the show notes so that we people can get in touch with you. I wanted to ask you where is your next retreat because you know we all need a destination retreat. Yes. Where is it hosted? My next one is in Orlando, Florida and I have two seats left. Okay. All right. Okay. And so this is this is the Brave Accelerator retreat or is this the the program that goes along with the retreat? It's called Bravecation and right now it's separate, but probably about 50% of people after attending Bravecation sign up for the Brave Accelerator and then some who did the Brave Accelerator first come to the retreat. That makes sense. I bet having both of them, that, you know, in-person immersion over days, like, plays a huge role, um, but the continued support is probably what really moves the needle, yes. I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, I feel like I should have had a notepad out and, <laughs> like, took a little bit of notes, but luckily I'll be re-listening, so, yeah. Thank you for yes, having Thank me. you so much, Dr. Steph. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So appreciate you and all your wisdom that you've brought to us today. Aww. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes at soul-starter.com forward slash podcast. We also love to connect with you on Instagram at soulstarterco, all one word. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also watch the video recordings on our YouTube channel at Soul Starter Co. See you in the next episode.